And you ought to, you ought to come for that, okay? Because all I know is uh, Rolling Stones and, uh, and the old doo-bop, or debop. What was that called back in those days? Boo-bop? Bebop? What? Doo-wop. Yeah, doo-wop. So if you'll come next Sunday, we're going to have a little bit of doo-wop, okay? Yeah, if you don't know what it is, don't play. You're right. I better, you know, I'm sure Stu will find a substitute, okay? Hey, gang, glad you're here. I want you to take your Bible this morning, and I want you to go back to Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews with me. In fact, I want you to go to Hebrews 12. Let me just tell you, I, um, I kind of thought we were through with Hebrews. We walked through, guess, uh, we've been walking through Hebrews 11. I pulled off last week because I thought we were through. But this week, as I studied and just kind of prayed about some things, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me we weren't through. And I found myself back in Hebrews chapter 12. And let me just tell you why I think we're not through, okay? I could be wrong. I've been wrong about 80% of my life, okay? But let me tell you why I think we're not through. The reason we're not through is because of one word. Chapter 12, verse 1, starts with the word, therefore. And so you really can't finish chapter 11 until you deal with that word therefore and then deal with what comes following. You remember back in English and grammar, uh, how many of you were Sunday school, how many of you were school teachers and willing to admit it? Okay, what is a therefore? You remember what that is in grammar? I didn't pay attention in grade school. I should have. I didn't realize how precious it was. But therefore is, is a conjunction, right? Am I right, teachers? You're scared to say anything, okay? It's a conjunction. What does a conjunction do? Well, a conjunction connects two thoughts together. It generally connects what has been said to what is about to be said, okay? And generally, it kind of tells you, or generally it tells you, what's supposed to be done. So the complete idea, the complete statement is not complete until you deal with the conjunction and what follows, okay? So to complete chapter 11, here's what we got to do. We've got to look at least the first few verses of chapter 12. And so we're going to do that over the next couple of weeks, okay? We've looked at, in chapter 11, we've looked at some amazing God followers. They follow God in the midst of very perilous times, times perhaps like we're in now. In fact, you remember in, the, in our study, the writer's writing back to them because the ones he's writing to are wanting to chunk it, are wanting to leave. They're under all that pressure and all those problems, and they're saying, you know, I really don't think it's worth it. So he's writing to encourage them. In all of chapter 11, what he's done is encouraged them and encouraged us that in the midst of perilous times, he's encouraged them to stay with it. And therefore, and then begins chapter 12. Okay, So it's really the therefore is kind of an introduction to motivation, to help them be motivated. And through the Holy Spirit in today's world, Help us to be motivated. Gang, the, the fact of the matter is, we're all creatures of motivation, right? You need a reason to do what you do. You need an encouragement to do what you do. Isn't that right? I mean, you came today because of a reason. Was it, it wasn't to hear me, I don't think. I think it was because you love God, right? 
and you think maybe that you may hear something from God, it may come through the preacher, or it may come through the Sunday school, it may come through the, the, the music, perhaps, if it's biblical, textual music. But you needed a reason to come. That's motivation. Perhaps you came because you need encouragement. You needed to be around other brothers and sisters who are struggling and wrestling through the same things you're wrestling through. We're creatures of motivation. And so chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, deal in areas of motivation. That's what we're going to do for the next two weeks, okay? Now, before we look at our text, I want you to look at chapter 11, verse 39 and 40, because there's a very subtle change that I, I want to kind of bring out, and then we'll kind of talk about our text. Okay, look at verse 39. This is a summary of all the, those Hall of Fame faith guys and gals, okay? And all these, having gained approval through their faith, notice, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for who? For us. So that apart from us, they would not be made complete. The writer's shifting. He's, he's, he's tried to encourage them with all these wonderful, wonderful men and women of faith. But all of a sudden, he's shifting to say, now wait a minute. They were faithful in the midst of their peril. They were faithful in the midst of their struggles. They were faithful in the midst of all the junk coming down on them. But they didn't get it. It was for something coming later, but you got it. I think it's a reference to Jesus. In the Old Testament, he was promised. In the New Testament, he's here. And so the writer's wanting his readers and today us to know we've got it far better than those great Hall of Fame faith people. Abraham, Moses, and, and all of them. We're better because Christ is here. They live by faith looking Wanting, waiting, but they never got it. We did get it, and we ought to rejoice. And it ought to be a source of strength for us. That leads him into chapter 12, and that word, therefore. And in chapter 12, beginning verse 1 through verse 3, we find a very subtle way of saying, let us, in motivation, let us. In fact, two of them will be stated one will be kind of understood. Let us, let us, let us. Now let me tell you what we want to do for the next two weeks. We want to seek to answer the question, in the midst of all of my pressures, in the midst of a world full of turmoil, uncertainty, winds blowing, storms rising, in the midst of a, of a culture that we have trouble getting our head around. And we look at our leaders and we wonder what they're doing. Why are they doing this? It, doesn't, it just, gang, it doesn't make sense, does it? We're going to try to answer these questions. Why should I be different? Huh? In a world that's so challenging, why should I be distinct? Why should I be separate? Why should I not give in to what the world has attached herself to? Why should I be different? Why give my allegiance visibly and vocally to an idea that is out of the norm? 
to a man that's out of the norm? What helps me then be different, to be abnormal? You see, the fact of the matter is the world's normal, right? Isn't that right? The world's doing what the lost people do. They're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. They're driven by their whims. They're doing what's normal. How can I be abnormal? How can I then be distinct and separate? And how can I follow someone who is abnormal? Why should I do that? That's going to be our subject for the next two. Barbara, are you on vacation next week or the week after? So you're going to be here for the next two weeks. I told her when she walked in today, I said, I thought you were on vacation. She said, why don't you read all of your email? And I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, the vacation didn't start for two weeks. You just read the first line and, and replied something smarty to me. So you'll, get the, you'll be here for that, okay? In fact, what she said, Tom, hey, Tom, here's what she said. She said, you read the first line and then blamed it on my husband. That's what she said, Tom. I'm not trying to start family problems here, you know, I'm not, but that's what she said, okay? Let's stand in honor of God's Word, okay? Let's read chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and then let me tell you kind of what we're going to do for two weeks, okay? Therefore, if you're a Bible scribbler, you ought to circle. That's the conjunction. That's the tie word that ties the back to the front, okay? Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. And now there's an understood let us there. I'm going to insert that. And let, a, and let us lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The writer was a southern guy. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, probably from Alabama. The author and perfecter or completer of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. And here's going to be the end of next week, the whole purpose. So that, that's the purpose clause there, you will not grow weary and lose heart. If there ever was a time in the history of this nation when God's people ought to stand strong and distinct and separate, it's today. And if there's ever a time we're called upon to help each other not to grow weary and not lose heart, dear people, it's today. And we're going to find out over the next two weeks what the writer says, okay? Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for the privilege of studying. God, I have to tell you, it's amazing to me. I get paid to study the Bible, and it just blows my mind. I thank you for that. God, these are good verses. I, I may mess it all up, but God, these are good verses. And I pray this week, and I pray next week, that God, we be, we'll be able, to, through the help of the Holy Spirit, be able to communicate what these words meant to the readers of the writer, 
and to the readers of today because it's the same word. It's alive and it's active. Help us to get it in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Thanks. Be seated. Keep, keep your verses open, Keep especially verse 1. Let me tell you kind of where we're headed, okay? We're going to have two items for discussion over the next two weeks, okay? Today, we're going to talk about the service of past saints. And the writer's going to tell us what we should do. When you leave here today, I'm going to tell you, and you're going to go out knowing, I believe, what the Scripture says, what we are to do in this culture in which we live, okay? Next week, we're going to talk about the sacrifice of a perfect Savior. And so next week, we're going to talk about not only what we should do, but how we should do it. How are we going to make this happen? How are we going to be distinct? But then close out on why we should do it. And I already kind of alluded to that. We don't want to grow weary. We don't want to lose heart. We want people to know that we're people of victory, right? I'm going to tell you, gang, nobody can, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I've been known to do that. Nobody controls this world but God. The Hamas, they don't control the world, okay? Putin. Putin, I don't even like the name, Putin, he doesn't control the world, you know. Obama, he's a lame duck. He doesn't control the world. Bush didn't control the world. Whoever comes behind Obama, he, she, he is not going to control the world. I'm telling you, God controls the world. And if there's anything we should understand and recognize is that we're people of victory in the midst of the pressure, and we've won. We're victorious. And so why? Because we don't want to lose heart. We want to encourage. Okay, now let's look at verse 1. Notice first the motivation. He said, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Now let's ask ourselves, what does that mean? Could it be that all the people of chapter 11 are all and all those wonderful saints are in some kind of a stadium? That's kind of the idea of our athletics here. It's all in some kind of a stadium looking down and watching us, maybe cheering us, rah, rah, you know, that kind of idea. Some think that, okay? Now, beloved, I, I don't think that at all. I don't think that's what the writer is intending here. And besides, if the great men and women of the past could look down and look at me, it would not be encouraging. It would be paralyzing. It would be intimidating. So what I want you to know, there's not a gallery down there watching us. I remember one time I just got out of seminary and, and I was pastoring and I invited uh, the president of our seminary to come out and, and speak to us. And I, I've always taught Sunday school, so I uh, knew I was free from preaching that Sunday, so I felt a little less pressure, but I uh, had to teach a Sunday school class. And it was just a bad week, and I was nervous about the prayers coming, you know. And the Sunday school lesson didn't come together good, and I got up that morning thinking, oh, man, the, the, the lesson in my study didn't turn out good. The prayers is coming. You know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, Tom, just get through this. 
You know, just waddle through, get through with sitting. Some of you teachers know what I'm talking about. Just get through it, Tom. Dr. Gray Allison will preach, and he'll be gone. And you can get back to being who you are. You're going to survive this. And so I, uh, I told Dr. Gray, I said, church starts at 11, show up about a quarter till, and we'll get you settled. And, and he said, okay. And so I get up that morning, and I'm feeling all this pressure, looking at my Sunday school lesson, which just stinks, man, you know. And so I go to my class thinking, get through it, just get through it. And right before the class starts, guess who walks in? Oh, yeah, the prez. And I'm thinking, and I know he was trying to be encouraging. In fact, after the lesson, he said, oh, Tom, that was so good. He lied like a dog. I know, I know he did. But he was trying to be encouraging. He wasn't encouraging. He was paralyzing, you know. It was intimidating to me. I don't want people in heaven looking down, do you? I don't want them seeing everything I do. You know, can you imagine? If, in fact, as some think, they're in heaven in a stadium looking and they're listening to me preach right now. And there's Peter and Paul and Mary over there, okay? Peter and Paul. And they, uh, Peter, they're going, yay, Tom, go for it, Tom, you know? And all of a sudden, I say something and Peter looks at Paul and says, did you just hear that? And Paul says, I didn't write that in Ephesians. What this guy do, fall out of an airplane, fall on his head? See, gang, that's not what's happening here. I don't believe this is what's happening. What this phrase means is that when we look at these wonderful saints in chapter 11, there are examples. We see how they run. We're encouraged that in their moments of peril they were faithful. In our moments of peril, we're to be faithful the same way. They're not looking at us. We are to be looking at them. They proved by their witness, by their testimony, how to live a faith life, to faith life in the midst of very difficult times. They were amazing examples for us. In fact, chapter 11, verse 38 is a wonderful verse. It's a verse that every time I read it, I think about my son who serves overseas as a missionary. Chapter 11, verse 38 says, They were beyond the world worthy. Those are the people to whom we are to look as our examples. They didn't live under the normal course of life. They lived somehow abnormal in this world. And they're to provide for us on how we're to live. The writer wants us to know that we belong to the same family. We're part of the same body as they. That's why chapter 11, verse 40, chapter 12, verse 1, uses the word us. Oh, people, listen, when you, when you look at chapter 11, pay attention to their testimony. Receive strength and motivation from them. One said in one of the commentaries, uh, we have home field advantage. We talked about Noah, didn't we? We talked about Abraham. and We talked about Moses. We belong to them. They belong to us. We're part of them. They're part of us. We're all part of the same family. If they could do it, we can do it. Moses, I think, was a melancholy. I think Moses had depression problems and manifested itself in anger. And yet God used him in a mighty way. If God could use someone like Moses, he could use someone like Tom. See, that's the idea here. Abraham looked for a city, the city of God. Moses chose to endure ill treatment with the people of God because he knew there was a greater reward than what the world had to offer. There are people 
That's to be our motivation. Beloved, as tough as times are now, let me tell you, it was tough back then. In their age and in the age of the writer of Hebrews, persecution times. Christianity had split off from Judaism and all of a sudden Rome and, and, and the Jewish community began to realize that Christianity was a whole new different civilization before it was tolerated. All of a sudden became an affront to, to Rome and all this persecution began. They began to be pressured in life. And the writer says, hey, look at them. That's your kin. They did it. You can do it. That's the motivation, okay? Now, second is the mandate. Let's, let's look at verse 1 again. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, now notice, let us lay aside every encumbrance. Let us lay aside, I'm inserting that there, the sin that so easily entangles us. If you have a King James, it'll, it's the word beset. And let us run with endurance the race set before us. Okay? Let's talk about that. Let us lay aside every encumbrance. Okay? The word encumbrance is only used here in Scripture. And it's a word which means a mass or a weight. Okay? The idea is that we are to set aside anything that might slow us down, anything that might hinder us, or perhaps anything that might distract us from running the race. The word literally means to, to cast off or to cast away. You know how athletes do. They come out like basketball. They come out and they go through the warm-ups and they have all their clothes on, you know, and they're warming up trying to get their muscles loose and, and a little warm. And then all of a sudden uh, the coach pulls five aside and says, you, 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 you. What's the first thing they do? They, they strip off their clothing, see. They don't want to be weighted down. They don't want to be distracted with clothing. They want to get down to the bare essentials. We're in the uh, Tour de France, I don't know if you like to watch it, man. I, I just think it's amazing, those guys. And, but I, I don't like to look at them, you know, because they're down to those skinny, skinny thingamajiggers. No one looks good in skinny, skinny thingamajiggers. And, but that's what they think they have to have to, to ride fast. Why? Because they don't want anything to stop the, the wind, to block them or distract them or slow them down. That's, that's the idea here, you see. Here's the question. Is the writer saying these hindrances are sinful? And the answer to that is no, maybe not. No, but it could be. No, they can become sinful, but in and of themselves they may not be sinful. You see, if those weights or those burdens impede the race that God has set for you, they certainly can be sinful. Furthermore, what is a hindrance for you may not be a hindrance for me, and what's a hindrance for me may not be a hindrance to you. Okay, I've, you know my history. Most of you have been here long. I, you know, I like to, I like to take my longbow. I like to bow hunt. Uh, that could easily be a hindrance to me. So therefore, that could easily be sin for me. Okay, I when I was young, in sales and and I'm traveling three or four days a week and playing golf Friday, Saturday, and yeah, on Sunday. Um, uh, golf became a, a, I had to put my golf clubs up for, I could be at the British Open today playing, but I had to put my golf clubs up for seven years. And the reason I did is because it became a burden. It became a, a weight. 
uh, and, and it, 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 it detracted my walk with God and my relationship with my wife and the, the rela- could have distracted from the relationship with my kids. Now, golf may not be a problem to you. It may not be sinful to you, but I want to tell you, it became sinful to me because it was an encumbrance. It was a, 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 a weight that I didn't need. Now, you have to decide for yourself what that is, okay? It could be recreation. It seems we're in such a recreation society today. John, you're in Hot Springs, brother. You got a, you got a lakes all around you, you know. If I lived up there and went to your church, I would probably send some on Sunday while you're preaching, you know. Um, maybe it is recreation. Maybe it's music. You know, I like to do wop stuff, and but sometimes it makes me think about things that are not of God. So maybe there's some restriction that needs to be there. I don't know. You have to decide that. Maybe it's a job. You know, job can be a hindrance. It can be, uh, it can be a weight. Many a workaholic succeeded in the world but lost their family. At the end of the day, what's more important? the job or family, okay? Money might be a problem for you. I don't know. Uh, attitude. How about wrong friendship? Next service, our young people, most well, they're probably sleeping, but um, if they're back, you know, friendships can be an incredible burden. See, the fact of the matter is, gang, you don't need, to tell, you don't need me to tell you you know what it is. And if you allow it to be a distraction or a weight, then... It can be, probably is, sinful to you. And so what does the writer say? Well, he says, cast it away, throw it away, strip it off, chunk it away. Okay. Secondly, he says, let us put aside or cast away the sin. Now, he's, now he is getting in our business. He's talking about sin. He writes singularly, so he's writing about one sin, and he said, it's this sin that encircles you entangles you, um, besets you, okay? And like I said, it's, the, the, it's very definite, the sin. I think we have to ask ourselves, well, there's a ton of sins that I do. You know, what is the sin then? Well, who is the writer writing to? He was writing to worn out, disillusioned, discouraged Christians who were thinking about going back that it wasn't worth it. Gang, what's the one sin that causes a Christian or makes a Christian think it's not worth it? It's the same sin that grabs us in life. It's the sin of unbelief. It's the sin of weak faith. It's the sin of failing to trust God in every circumstance in our life, especially if that circumstance is painful and confusing, you see. And so he's writing and said, no, no, look at those guys. They didn't do that. And if they didn't do that, why do you think you should do that? See? And that's where I was going to inject now what I injected earlier. God is sovereign. Can I tell you something that may rattle you a little bit? God is in control of all that is good. God is in control of all that is bad. Oh, cool, I got a couple. Yeah. Don't you think that God is sovereign? That's the reason maybe last week I took that detour into Matthew 20. 
Because God's in control. God is sovereign. Everything and everyone else is either regulated by Him or delegated through Him. You know the story of Job. Satan didn't have free reign. Satan's not omnipotent, not omniscient. Satan's actions against Job were regulated. They were delegated. Now, I don't pretend to understand all what's going on in the world. Why a, a, just a, a jet would be shot down. Good people, perhaps. I don't understand that. But I'm going to tell you, God knew about it, and God's in control of that. Let me rattle our theology a little bit, but I'm glad that I have a God that's bigger than any airplane shooting. I'm glad that I have a God that's in ultimate control of the flavor of and the direction of our nation. And I'm just bold enough to believe that regardless of how we think it's going, we ultimately are going to, the church is going to win here, you see. And I think that's what he's writing to them about. No, no, you, listen, look at those guys and gals. If they did it, you can do it. Because God is over it, okay? All right, last, one last thing, verse 1. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, okay? Let me just tell you what I think this means. It means that we got to let our faith be the engine, okay? Our faith must be the engine, not the caboose. The, our faith must be the driver, not the tail wagger in life. I, I think if we're not careful, we can, sit our, we can sit around and think ourselves, talk ourselves into depression or discouragement, you know? And we can't do that. We've got to let our faith propel us and motivate us and drive us to what God is doing. Now, the word run that's used here, we get the English word agony. Life can be that. He's talking about a marathon, not a sprint. I, marathon runners make me ache, you know. But that's what he's talking about. He's talking, and life can be agonizing. He's talking about... Um, not a snapshot, but time exposure. He's talking about something over the long haul. He's not talking about a one-year, two-year. He's talking about your life. Taylor, you and Hope getting married? He's talking about your life together, young couple. See? You're going to have your moments. Hope, I'm telling you. Remember I told you? You're going to wake up one day and you're going to say, I married it. See? But you're in it for the long haul. I'm going to camp on your door if something happens. Because marriage is, is for the long haul here. I, this is our 42nd year, and she chased me for five, you know. I mean, we're in for a long haul here, see. And, and that's what the word, it's agonizing at times. It's a marathon. Endurance is a word which means to be under pressure. Life at times can be like that, too. We're in it for the long haul, but sometimes it's agonizing. Sometimes it's pressured, you know. Now, why do we do it? Well, notice he says in verse 1, the race set before us. You see that? That's pretty important. It's not our race. Uh, In a sense, it's his race that he has given to us. We didn't plan the race. We didn't write the script. 
if we would have, we'd have done it differently, wouldn't you? I'm telling you, if I could go back and take my life and rewrite my life, rewrite the script, I want to tell you, gang, there's some things that, that I would write differently. I would write differently about what I've done, and I certainly would write different about some of my attitudes that I've had and some of the actions I've had in my life. I was telling Lucy, I, I remember a year or two ago, we were talking about these last 18 years here, and uh, this was after Frank had already gone to heaven, and uh, I, I remember Lucy saying to you, um, you know, Lucy, if I could do it over again, I'd do some things different. It, it, it didn't have to be this hard. I made it hard. I was young. I was insecure. I was defensive. Um, every time something was questioned, I felt personal. I felt like I was a loser, and my insecurities came out. When you're short, you have a lot of insecurities. If I was six foot six, I'd say I don't give a rip, you know. But when you're four foot four, it makes everything's major, you know. And anyway, I just remember Lucy saying to you, "I, uh, gosh, I sure made this a lot harder." Of course, you're the ultimate complimenter, the most encouraging lady I've ever known. You and Francis. And um, you said, Brother Tom, it's been good run. It's been a good run, see. Well, sometimes it is agonizing. Sometimes it is pressureful, but it's not my race anyway. It's a race that God sets before us. I'd have done it different, frankly, in some ways. Um, now, in one respect, I understand the race is all the same. We're in it for the honor and glory of God. There's a general sense, isn't there? But the emphasis here in our text is that it's a specialized race. It's a race that is unique by God's design for each one of us, specifically designed by the Master as He sees fit. So your race is different than my race, but both your race and my race has been designed by God. I have a little statement. It's kind of a tongue twister. Only you can run it like only you can run it. So if you don't get anything else, get that, okay? Only you can run it like you can run it. That's the bottom line. No one can run it like you can run it. Uh, we wouldn't want to run it like you can run it because only you can run it like you can run it. Got it? So here's the question. Are you in the race? Are you in the race, huh? Have you... Surrendered it to the Lord? Are you walking it? Running it? Are you even in the race? See, so many people aren't even in the race. They wonder why all this junk's happening to them. They're not even in the race. So my question, first of all, to you is, are you in the race? And then secondly, how are you running the race? Huh? Are you casting away the distractions and the weights that drag you down? That's called disciplines. Are you exerting some disciplines? Are you, are you learning to say no to the things you need to say no to? See, that's hard for us. But that's the only way to get rid of some of the weights. I can't go here. Or I can't say that. I can't think that. I was talking to someone not long ago, and we talked about how the, in the book of Philippians it talks about think on these things. You know, what are you thinking, see? Are you casting away distractions? Are you casting away the sin that causes you? Sin. 
that causes you to doubt God. Huh? That's what was happening here. Why would we doubt when we know in our heart God's on the throne? Are you running even though it will, will be agonizing at times? And even though it will be pressured at times, are you running regardless? See? And so I think there's a reason why there's a therefore in chapter 12. I think there's a reason why God wouldn't let me go on to something else because this whole theme of chapter 11 is not complete until at least you get through verse 3, maybe even more, but at least verse 3. And, but I'm just going to take three verses because that's all i got time for because I'll be here next week and I'm going on vacation. And so I'm, not even, I'm going to be goofing off with my grandkids. So I didn't want to have a six-week series because then I might have to cancel vacation. I'm teasing. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for the text. Uh,